0: This episode's brought to you by Heidi. Imagine kicking back while a HIPAA compliant AI scribe writes your soap notes for free. Yes, yeah, so you heard us right, Heidi is free. I'm Dr. Tom, Heidi, CEO and founder, and we started Heidi to stop clinicians wasting their life on clinical documentation. Heidi transforms your consult babble into crisp, clear soap notes, personalizing itself with every edit. One day, Heidi will be your AI resident, looking through research, explaining plans, and doing anything you don't want to. If you currently pay for an AI scribe in your practice, you should swap to Heidi. We'll even credit you for anything you've already paid. Dive into the description for the link and make your practice the envy of every stethoscope in town. Sign up and watch Heidi work its magic all for free because you've got better things to do.
2: Hey guys, welcome to today's podcast episode. And I've got a fantastic guest for you, Dr. Dave Pennington. He's going to share with us insights into strategic problem solving. And he spent the last 35 years managing and leading organizations. He's got some great experience and we'll talk about strategic scaling, building a dream team and so much more. And I'm happy to welcome Dave to the show. Uh, welcome Dave.
1: Well, uh, thank you for the invite. Uh, I'm delighted to be with you today.
2: Yeah. You, uh, founded Penn Coaching and Consulting and you're the CEO and kind of, I love this, um, I love hearing successful individuals, their stories to get inspired, motivated and pride myself for the conversation that is to come.
1: Well, good, good. I'm excited to be with you today. I'm looking forward to just kind of getting to know each other and conversing. So how did you, how did you get started
2: in what you're doing?
1: Well, I have about 35 plus years of leadership management experience. And so a little over eight years ago, um, I kind of moved. I was working with a with another coaching company where I kind of went through some training and I was part of their team and just decided I really kind of wanted to do it, do my own thing. Uh, you know, it was less restrictive, income was better, and uh, thought I would have more freedom to do really kind of what I wanted to do. So I shifted and started pin Coaching and Consulting and I've uh, been doing it a little over eight years now. And um, I'm really excited. I think my passion really is all about uh, helping leaders grow. And um, I found this, I call it the pebble in the pond concept. That you know, when you throw a pebble in a pond, there's a ripple effect. And what I've discovered is if I can impact the leader, then by impacting the leader's life, the leader impacts everyone in that organization. And so that really excites me is, and I've done it all my life, just developing leaders, helping them grow, become better leaders. And uh, that really, it changes the game for most companies.
2: Yeah. And, and I really love that. And so um, we'll kind of talk about, you know, leadership and challenging them in leadership. So, um, you know, first thing is this journey to leadership um, and sh- share kind of a pivotal
1: in your journey that shaped your approach to leadership and business management. I think for me, it's it's really all about um, investing in others. You know, probably all of us at somewhere along the line have had someone invest in us, help us to make some pivotal decisions, provide some guidance or wisdom just from experience. And I know I, I have a few of those people in my life. Uh, most of them are no longer living. You know, they're, I'm getting older, so they have passed on. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at a stage kind of uh, beginning what I would call my legacy years, Where I really just want to do for others what what has been done for me, you know, where I can lean in. I always tell people, look, I don't know everything, uh, but I can tell you some things not to do because I tried that and it didn't work, you know. Um, But I want to help leaders really grow. If you think about most organizations, and I see this with small to mid-sized business owners, which I talk to all the time. When I talk to them, they'll talk a little bit about their clients. You know, they have some goofy clients. They might talk a little bit about their employees, some challenging employees. Ultimately, when I lift the hood and kick the tires, almost always it comes back to not everybody else, but issues that the leader needs to, areas that he needs to grow in. And so leadership is just so critical for any, anyone who's running an organization or leading an organization.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, And leadership is kind of one of these, it's one of these topics that um, it's hard to, because it's very, abstract and you know there's like there's principles and tenets and there's strategies you know ultimately to become a leader um so this next question is especially with um your um leadership philosophy how has your philosophy evolved especially in today's rapidly changing business environment
1: you know actually i think it it has deepened even more than evolved in the sense that if you think about it you know uh as a leader, you have your time. That's probably your most valuable commodity, okay? You can't get any more time no matter how who you are, no matter how much you earn, no matter what you do. You you know, we, we all have the same amount of time. Um, then you have your money, you know, and leaders, you know, hold on to money and rightfully so because it costs money to run organizations. And then you have your people, the people that work for you. And if you think about it, um, you're, outside of your time, your most valuable commodity is not your money but it's your people. If you have the right people, you can always get more money. But what I find is often leaders don't necessarily really value and appreciate the people that really make everything happen. And Uh from an employee standpoint, often you don't feel valued. And what I mean by that is it feels like it's all about the company. You're helping the company to succeed, but no one's really helping you to succeed. And if you think about it, it's illogical, because if you don't succeed, then the company can't succeed. So I just think it's so important for leaders to really uh, just sense the value of the people that work for them and kind of lean in and help those people grow and develop and then ultimately retain them, which is also a challenge in our day.
2: Yeah, it's really challenging because especially in today's environment, it's all about profits and it's, um, you know, what you're saying is so important. And it seems like when you turn on the news or, you know, just hear about, you know, Bloomberg and, you know, all these companies, you always hear about the profits over the people, which is uh, my next question is, you know, this whole era the younger generation, they're starting to see changes and they're starting to see that they can create more value by working for themselves or creating their own businesses as opposed to working for corporations. So how does, uh, how does leadership evolve in this place where people are opting out of the system and kind of um, creating values in their own ways?
1: Not for people opting out if that's really what they choose to do. <clears throat> Sometimes they don't always realize what they're getting into uh, because working for an organization is very different than building an organization. I'll give you an example. I have I've had several clients, but one client I had was a former corporate guy. He did really well in corporate, really pretty successful. He took an early buyout, and he brought he bought a friend, uh, printer franchise. Okay, and when I, I was working with him, he was really frustrated. I mean, <sighs> you know, he was just spread very thin, and and he says, "I don't get this. I just don't get this." When I was in corporate, I killed it. I mean, I just succeeded. I, I did everything. and I said, "Well, what you don't realize is this." You know, when you were in corporate, if you had a people problem, what'd you do? Well, you sent them to HR. It was HR's problem. You know, and if you had something in terms of maybe sales or an issue there or things uh, or deliverables, you sent them to the sales department or the deliverable department. I said, you know, when you were in corporate, you had all these people supporting you and helping you succeed at your job. Now what you need to realize as a small business owner, you know what, you are HR. And by the way, your marketing and your sales and your deliverables, I mean, you do everything if you really are going to run your company. And it was kind of like one of those aha moments where you just didn't recognize that, you know, running or building your own company is very different from working for a company. And some one thing is right for one person. It might be right for a different person to do something differently.
2: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, that example, it hits to the heart of just the differences between, you know, working for company versus start, you know, working on or in your company. These times bring a lot of challenges in leadership and it comes with its own set of challenges, especially through different growth phases. So kind of share challenging moments or projects in your career, how you navigated it and, you know, the lessons learned from that.
1: Well, I think we've all had some challenging times. I mean, some of it is just really understanding what you're facing. Like if you come into an organization, particularly if it's an organization that's been struggling and now you're the new CEO or you, you know, you're the new leader, one of the things is just really getting clarity about what, what's the problem. You know, what, what are you doing well? What are you not doing as well? Uh, you know, where do you need to shore some things up? Where do you have the right people? Maybe where do you have the wrong people? So that clarity, you know, I always say it's difficult to take action if you don't have clarity. And wow. that judgment is something that you you learn over time and and you get more discernment and you're able to be more astute. And all that is very, very helpful because often it's really just understanding what you're really dealing with first before you can ever begin to take action. And I can look back over my career a number of times where I would come into an organization and and just that ability to kind of pause. You know, the tendency is you want to just take action. Well, if you take action and you don't know what you're doing or where you're going, it usually doesn't work out well. But just to pause and really to reflect and to think about, okay, what is working, what isn't working? What really needs to be done? What's holding things back? All that becomes very, very key to then being able to take action and move forward and help the company move forward.
2: Say hello and welcome to Lightspeed Investing where the rigors of medical training laid the foundations for unmatched market performance backed by a solid skill set in pattern recognition and technical analysis. Drawing inspiration from the legendary John Arnold, a Vanderbilt graduate who traded natural gas successfully by following a proprietary system and thus coined as one of the world's youngest billionaires back in 2007 at the age of 33, Lightspeed has crafted a unique investing approach that merges medical prudence, professionalism, and ethics with cutting edge financial strategies in a most disciplined manner. Born from the daring vision of a formal internal medicine physician and a surgically trained CEO, they've charted a course from the realms of medical practice to the dynamic world of short-term investing within the futures and commodities market. Together with their seasoned team, They don't just share their knowledge, they invite you to witness the art of trading in action. Join Lightspeed Investing on this voyage of wealth discovery by connecting with them on LinkedIn in the links in the show notes below. For a lot of the audience, they're doctors, lawyers, accountants. Um, They want to be a small business owner. They want to be entrepreneurs. What advice would you give to them who are passionate about building and scaling their businesses, but they might be facing, you know, obstacles, uncertainties, and um, this uncertain climate?
1: Sure. You know, it's interesting. I've had some doctors as as clients. Uh, here's what I find about cli- uh, doctors. All right. Very smart people. <laughs> uh, you know, very well schooled. They know medicine really well. <laughs> Often, they don't really know anything about running a business. And I, I've had, I've actually had it where the, The man was the doctor and his wife was the office manager. And I've had it where the wife was the doctor and her husband was the office manager. Neither one which uh, worked very well. Because (laughs) having your spouse as an office manager, I'm not saying it, it will never work, but it's probably not the best choice because it's just too close. And what happens is there creates tension, extra tension within the office because the office manager is married to the doctor. And so it just compounds the challenges that can be there. But yeah. I think uh, what I do with, with business owner, and for me, it doesn't really matter what vertical, what industry they're in. I always start with the leader. The reason I start with a leader is because each of us have kind of, I'll call it our, our zone of genius. We have something that we do uh, really well right. and we like doing. Right. And I have some assessments that I use. and I really try to help the leader get an understanding of where does he or she fit within the organization. Where, the, where can he or she actually insert himself or herself into the organization to get the highest return of investment of their time and their talents and their energy? I'll give you an example. I had a, a friend of mine who owned a computer uh, company, kind of a you know a um, service company. He had about half a dozen employees or so. When I first started talking to him, I said, well, you know, tell me a little about your business and things. I said, you kind of have business development or sales and you have operations, which one are you? He says, oh, I'm sales, without any question. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, look, I'm not trying to brag. He says, but if I get before people, I close like 80% of everybody I talk to. And I said, wow, 80% close ratio. I'm impressed. That's, that's you know, that's really high. That's good. I said, what about the what about the operations side? He said, no, nah, not my thing. He <laughs> says, I, I'm terrible. I stink at it. I, I'm horrible. So I said, all right, be honest with me. Right now in your company, what amount of time, energy, and focus are you giving towards sales versus operational. To my surprise, he came back and said he was 85% operational and only 15% sales. I said, wow, you kill it in sales and you hate operational and you're doing 85% operational? (laughs) I just paused and I said, well, how's that working for you? Literally his head dropped. He says, it's not. Right now I hate my life. Every day getting up is about all I can do. I'm just, I'm struggling to keep my head above water. And he just went on and on and on. And I said, well, listen, what would happen if we could find you someone who could run the operational side? Not all of it, but at least 80 percent of it. You will probably still have to do 20 percent because you're the owner, but you can handle that. We got you out of operations and back into sales. I said, what would that do for your business? He paused and he kind of lit up like a Christmas tree. I mean, he said, if I did that, he said, I'd double my business in 18 months. And long story, made short. That's what happened. He got an operational guy. He got out of operations. He got into sales. And he got into some government contracts. And his company just took off. Okay, so there was a perfect example of someone who was not really in the right role. So I start with a leader, have the leader get in the right role. And then from there, help him build what I call a complementary dream team. And what I usually tell him, I tell folks is this. Look, believe it or not, there are actually people that love doing what you hate doing. And they're really good at it. And you need those people on your team. And as you begin to get those people and you begin to develop those people and retain those people, the whole company just just, just absolutely booms. It just takes off. So there's a perfect example of, 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 of really a common problem I bump into all the time. It's really not that hard to, to, to solve, but it's hard to see it when you're kind of in the company and it's hard to see it about yourself because we're just too close to everything.
2: Yeah, so well said. And um, this idea of, um, you know, because I'm a physician myself, I know how doctors think. And sometimes it's hard to get through to them. And uh, and I love this idea where it's, you know, building a complementary dream team. And so you talk about this idea of E. Uh, There's a great book. I think it was Good to Great um, talking about keeping
1: the right players on the bus. The you know, idea is getting them on the bus and then getting them on the right seat. Bus, okay. Both are important. Okay. And and really here's what, you know, my secret sauce, if you would, I've just been in leadership roles where I've had to hire teams and develop those teams and then retain those teams. Often when we start to hire someone, a lot of times we're not even sure the, the next person we need to hire. And part of that is once again, because the, the leader's not in the right place. Like if you're a physician, I mean, ideally you really love practicing medicine, caring for your patients. Now, probably what you don't love is all the paperwork and all the red tape and all the scheduling and all the other kind of things that come along with that. But there are people who actually do love that. And so if you if you can just kind of stay in your lane, maybe is a good way of putting it, and then find those people that can support you who will really service your, you know, your patients at a very high level and connect with them and really resonate with them. Uh, what happens is a doctor, you just need to practice medicine and do a good job at practicing medicine. So the idea is you want to be very clear about who you need on your team, who is going to complement you and help you develop your practice and grow your, 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 your office and this, your footprint in your city, that kind of thing. And that sounds easy, but it's more than just talent and skill. It can include uh, culture fit. Because, you know, most doctor's offices are kind of small and there's an intimacy there. And if you get someone who doesn't quite fit your culture, it can upset the apple cart pretty quickly. But then once you hire them, I think it's super important to also do a good job onboarding them. Most of the time, we don't do much with onboarding. We kind of explain what the job is. They have a title and a job description. And we just hope that they figure it out. Uh, Now, sometimes they do. But often it'll take them three months, six months, a year to really understand what does what do you have to do in that job to be really successful. Well, we can solve a lot of that as we onboard them well. The third area I work in is really encouraging leaders to develop their people. We assume that people who come on our team are just going to automatically develop themselves. Doesn't usually happen that way. You have to lean in, understand the people that work for you, uh, What 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 are uh, what is their aptitude, what are their aspirations, what do they want out of life? What are they looking for? And as you understand that, sometimes you will hire someone for a position here and you really realize, you know what, that person fits better over here. And, you know, it's just in the wrong, on the right bus, but not in the right seat. And really what you want to do is you want to make it a win-win. And what I mean by that is it's a win for your employee and it's a win for you so that you both are winning. And what happens when you both win, then they're going to be happy and, and fulfilled. And you really want to help them grow to their highest potential for your organization. And then the last one is retention. When you get someone like that, you really want to keep them. And most, time, most of the time, we think people leave because of money. If we just pay them more money, they would stay. That's not usually the case. They leave because they don't feel valued. They don't feel appreciated. There's no opportunity for growth. Or frankly, most of the time, it's poor management. And if we will solve those problems, you will have people that will stay with you longer, and you will be more successful as a result of that. In fact, it ought to be if they have to leave you, there comes that day where they come to you and they say, you know, I knew this day would probably come. I hated that it finally come. You have invested in me so much. You have helped me to grow and develop. I'm so thankful for all the things that you've contributed in my life. But I have this opportunity that I just don't feel like I can pass up. And that may happen, but it ought to be hard for them to leave. And frankly, when they do leave, most of the time, they're going to send you people to replace them. And quality people because they just appreciate so much how you how you have invested in their lives. Now, think about the places you've worked, whether it's corporate or whatever. Most of the time, what I just described never happens. And it's sad because it could happen in almost every organization. Really, I think in every organization, if the leader just caught that vision.
2: What you're describing is this typical, um, you know, the corporate environment and um you know, I love this idea of uh, especially the building the dream team. You know, that's so key for all the audience out there. Um, so, you know, we have a couple of minutes left. If you want to w- w- have a question is you you're, have a strategic scaling framework and it's helped businesses. Give us an insight into how it transforms a company's approach to hiring, onboarding, and retaining employees. Yeah,
1: uh, w- What I really love to do is, is actually what well, I call it insert into a company. Really, it's a process. I'm very process oriented, systematic in the way I approach things where I really take the leader through this process, help him or her learn how to do what I just described. And, you know, or it can be the office manager. If, you know, if you're the physician, maybe you have an office manager that, you know, I would work with. And the idea is teach them not just these concepts, but how to actually utilize the concepts within the practice. The way I usually word it is, look, I'm not trying to help you catch a fish. I'm trying to teach you how to fish so that you can then wash, rinse and repeat this process over and over again as you scale and as you grow. These skills and this mindset and this kind of almost really philosophy of how to build a team and and develop that team and retain it, you actually can take throughout your whole practice. And it just makes everything run so much more smoothly. And you wind up being more successful and more productive. And everybody's happy. And and that's really, to me, the exciting part of it.
2: How can people contact you and find out more about the work that you do and reach out to you?
1: Sure. There's probably two ways. They could uh, look at my my website. It's pen, Coaching, P-E-N-N, coaching.com. So there's a lot of information there they can find out about me. Or if they just want to email me. Uh, my email address is dave at pencoaching.com. So I'm pretty easy to get up with. Uh, I love to meet with people and just kind of get to know them, understand a little bit about their challenges, and then just share a little bit about what I'm doing. Uh, you know, it doesn't match up for everybody, uh, you know, but for ones that, that it does match up with, it winds up being a fun journey and a very uh, fruitful and successful journey as they just learn these concepts and actually implement them within their practice or within their business.
2: Yeah, for all the audience out there, let's thank Dave for coming on and talking about this, um, you know, the, talking about leadership. And then what I really enjoyed was talking about how to build a dream team, you know, the, the right bus and the right seats. Um, be sure to give Dave a follow on all his social media. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast.
0: Thanks again from Heidi. Elevate your practice with a free AI scribe, zero cost, HIPAA compliant and time saving. Ready to swap? We've got you covered for past AI scribe expenses. Head to HeidiHealth.com, get started and make your practice the envy of every stethoscope in town.
2: I'm excited that you made it for another episode. You are truly the best. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that my passion is to bring you the education you need to find your path to financial freedom. Please come back week after week for new content, new resources, and great guests. Until then, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out the website, www.drchrisluemdphd.com for more support. I'll see you next week.